What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. My name's John, and this is r slash malicious compliance. Well, we're back from camping. It was a success. You know, we had a few little hiccups here and there, a couple bugs with the camper, and uh, but overall, what a great weekend. It was nice to get away for a couple days. Even doing recordings for you guys was uh, painless, you know. I enjoyed it. Uh, well, I can't say totally painless. Working off the hotspot for my phone is a little bit annoying, but... What are you going to do? I mean, that's that's part of traveling. So if you're going to do that, you deal with the little bumps in the road. The only thing I will say is never, ever, ever, ever again will I try to tow any kind of larger trailer or camper without the load level or bars in place between the trailer and the truck. If you ever even think about, oh, it's just a couple miles to home. No, just don't just don't do it. I drove 100 miles down to the campground. I drove a hundred miles back in that exact scenario. And let me tell you, it's miserable, probably dangerous, but I mean, I've towed enough vehicles in my life to know that I can, I can get by. It's not comfortable. It's nerve wracking. And yeah, technically it's not safe. So we're going out later this week to pick up another set for this truck, this camper, uh, because the old set, I would have to take all the hardware off the old camper and I don't want to do that to the new owners, you know, when they, when they buy the old camper that we fixed up before, I'd like them to have the full setup, the full kit, take it and, uh, yeah, be safe. All right, let's do some malicious compliance. Silly, wholesome, malicious compliance. So we had a cahoot and we needed to turn on the projector, the power buttons on the ceiling. My PE teacher tried to tell my tall friend to turn it on, but don't use a chair to climb up implying he needs to jump to turn it on, since he's the only one tall enough to be successful if he tried. I handed him the remote. He realized the MC and he just turned it on. Teacher looking dumbfounded. He did explain that there was no chair used in the process. We all had a laugh and the teacher took it well. We love that teacher and we're lucky to have them. Well, that was wholesome. Yeah, I understand where the teacher's coming from. You really don't need a chair though. I don't know what's in modern classrooms, but you know, most classrooms used to have some kind of a stick, a pointer, a yardstick, a meter stick, something. And if I taught in classrooms where I had projectors or smart boards where I needed to, you know, be able to hit the power button physically and didn't have a remote or the batteries were out, I'd make sure I had something that I could reach up and push the power button with. It's rare because in most cases these days they have a remote. It's also more rare evidently to have a yardstick in your classroom because... Evidently, my brain's still back in the slate and chalk days, but whatever. I'm not authorized to get water? Alright. Now, before I start, here's a bit of context for this situation. I work in the boat industry as an engine tech and parts painter. I know quite a broad range right there. Anyway, the company I work for is quite old, and the building I work in is even older. The heating system is trash, and we really lack anything in the way of air conditioning. And it's boiling outside right now. Earlier today, I'd started overheating really quickly as the temperature rose in the building. I have a medical condition where my body can't regulate temperature well, meaning I'm at risk of passing out. I was going to go get a bottle of water from the fridge to help cool me down when I was stopped by one of the company's managers. Let's call him Kyle for this story. Kyle, where are you going? Me, I was only going to get some water. Kyle, you're supposed to be working right now. You can get the water during the coffee break. Me, uh, I don't think you understand that I can actually be in danger from this heat right now. So could I please go get one bottle of water? Kyle. No, you're not authorized to leave your work before the clock strikes. Now shut up and get back to work. Me. Roger that. Keep in mind that this conversation was held in front of my coworkers. 
cue malicious compliance. I got back to work, making sure to put on some extra coal just to make sure I made up for lost time. Basically, I was forcing my body into shock and heat stroke was just around the corner. Fast forward around 30 minutes. I had to tell my coworkers through my strained breath that I don't feel too good. Which was actually even worse now as I was working on deck of one of those boats, give or take 3 meters above the floor. When I made my way towards the ladder to climb down, I only got out a very strained, oh shit, as I fell off the back and was headed straight for the concrete floor below me. Luckily for me, some coworkers reacted fast enough and managed to catch me before my head was split open on the floor. I woke up in an ambulance around an hour later. The EMTs were checking my vitals and were actually helping me. My boss came up to the door and asked me what happened. I told him exactly as I had told you guys, and I also told him to check with my coworkers if he didn't believe me. Long story boring, I was brought to the hospital for a checkup just to make sure I actually didn't suffer any kind of trauma from the fall. A buddy of mine came with me to make sure I got there and back safely. A few hours passed and my buddy got a call. He picked it up and it was Kyle. My buddy handed me the phone and I heard Kyle on the other end apologizing for actually almost getting me killed. The short version is that he was heavily reprimanded for what he told me and was put on watch. Didn't lose his position though so I guess I didn't fully win but he was liable for the medical compensation for my situation. I did forgive him and just to rub it in a bit I just had to ask him am I authorized to get water next time? And <laughs> my buddy just laughed. Edit. I already got OSHA on the line and they're launching an investigation into this. So if nothing else, I just made Kyle's week even more horrible. Also, for those who wondered, Kyle's pretty new and basically a bit of a brick. Can I call him that? Whatever. He's rough around the edges and generally doesn't believe people when it comes to their personal health. He's got that kind of, if you can talk, then you can work mentality. So in a way, he kind of deserved this. OSHA will have a field day with his actions. Okay. I'm not saying I've never tried to prove a point with a manager, supervisor, boss, whatever in construction, which is similar settings, and we also have to deal with OSHA. But quite honestly, if I knew that I was at risk of injuring myself and knowing that I was going to injure myself if I kept pushing, um, I would not have let Kyle win that short battle and went back to work like that just to spite Kyle and risk, you know, splitting my head open, like you said. Yeah, that's just not a good idea. I probably would have called OSHA immediately and taken a coffee break regardless. And then maybe after I cooled off, went to the big boss's office and had a little meeting. But while I do take some risks in life, I'm definitely not going to take the obvious ones where I know I stand more than an 80% chance of getting injured. That's just mm -mm, not a good idea for me. You want to know where I am at all times? Your wish is my command. I've been lurking on this sub for a hot minute and I saw a post that reminded me of my own malicious compliance story. Sorry for any formatting issues since I'm on mobile. This happened about eight years ago, one year into just my first job, paid internship, clerking gig, I don't know what to call it. The firm that I worked for had a part-time program for law students so they could work and gain experience while in school, very common in my country. I loved my job. I was very grateful for the opportunity to learn and grow, and I really enjoyed the work I performed. The thing was, I had classes both in the morning and the afternoon and night, and my school was at a different side of the city, about 8 miles away, that could turn into hours of traffic during rush hour in a city with 8 million inhabitants. So my days look pretty hectic as something like this. 5.30 to 7, get ready and drive to school. 7 to 9, class. 9 to 10-ish, drive to work. 10-ish to 1700, work. 1700 to 1800, drive to school. 1800 to 2200, classes. Then I would try to study for one hour after class, and I would often eat while driving. During my first year in the program, I had more than proved myself to earn my place. I was that 19 to 20 year old idiot, type A overachiever that knew no boundaries. 
I had worked weekends, pulled all-nighters. Literally, I would leave school at 10 effing p.m. and go back to work. Worked full-time in the summers without more pay. Anything I had to do to keep the associates happy so they'd keep teaching me. As I was wrapping up my first anniversary there, the perfect storm of awful rolled around. On the academic front, I started a new semester, and twice a week in the mornings, I had a teacher who was awesome but would finish class 20 to 30 minutes late. On the work front, a new partner joined the firm. Let's call him Mr. A-Hole. And he kind of took over as unofficial managing partner. He was a typical old-fashioned lawyer that should be extinct by now. He could barely use Microsoft Word to type a contract and would pass out at the sight of an Excel sheet. He had this weird obsession with punctuality while simultaneously being late to everything. Plus, he moronically believed that by having a bunch of people warming up chairs, he would magically make money. So instead of investing time on client development, he would just spend endless time and effort on bullying everyone around the office. To make matters worse, since other people spoke highly of me, he decided to pay special attention to me. Unsurprisingly, shortly after A-Hole joined, the firm started struggling. Now, he could have tried to get new clients, send quotes by the deadline, and show up to meetings on time. But no, of course, the firm was doing poorly because us clerks didn't spend enough time warming up the chairs. So he became obsessed with us getting there by 10 a.m., especially me. The issue was that I couldn't get there by 10 because my teacher finished class late and there was no way I could drive across the city in rush hour in 30 minutes. So A-Hole called a meeting with all the clerks and yelled at me in front of everyone because I was always late. More like two times a week, but whatever. The fact that I had gotten permission from the program committee didn't matter. The fact that I was working six or seven hours every day while I only had to work five didn't matter. The fact that I would work weekends and late nights didn't matter. I tried to explain, but he kept yelling at me and wouldn't let me talk. Having had enough, I left the conference room straight into the office of every member of the clerk program committee, one junior associate, one senior associate, and one partner, to say the same speech. I'm late because I have class. I've proven my commitment to the firm, but my education is important too. If 30 minutes late twice a week is too big of an issue, feel free to fire me, but I am not leaving class early. Then went to my desk to do my job. I guess the committee informed other partners and word got around of what was going on. It's a small firm. Because as I was getting ready to leave for school, A-Hole came fuming to my desk and told me, I know you're lying. From now on, I want to know where you are at all times. And if I catch that you were slacking off or lying, you're fired. And I'll make sure no one will ever hire you. So cue malicious compliance. The next day, I woke up extra early, 5 a.m. sharp. Took a timestamp photo and sent it to both his email and phone. Since I couldn't risk him not getting it and him not knowing where I was. I sent a timestamp photo every five minutes captioning what I was doing like it was my own personal social media platform of one follower. The cherry on top was that my teacher had worked with A-Hole in the past and obviously didn't like him very much. So he let me take photos during the class and diligently send them to A-Hole. <laughs> I even went as far as taking a photo of the toilet door with the text peeing. And then at the end, the toilet flushing. All done. While driving, since traffic was really slow, I would send a photo and include how much I had moved during that time. Sometimes it was something absurd like 100 feet. As soon as I sent a photo of me at my desk, he shows up saying that he got the point and I could stop. A couple weeks later, he simply stopped bugging people and started working from home or locking himself up in his office. My guess is I wasn't the only one to complain, and the other partner realized how dangerous he could be for the firm and asked him to back off. Every company has an a-hole. Now, they're not always in charge of anything, but there's always an a-hole around somewhere. If you look careful, actually, you don't even have to look careful. They'll make themselves known. It's like... It's like where's Waldo, except Waldo actually comes bouncing out of nowhere and like actually comes to you. Uh, it's kind of creepy, actually. And oh, by the way, who exactly knows of any attorney? And I, I don't have anything personal against attorneys. I've had a few get me out of a few scrapes before. <laughs> I like attorneys. My mom worked for attorneys for years, but they are a different breed. Since when 
has anybody ever seen an attorney that shows up on time. Boss supplies policy. Employee gets mad. CEO rips employee a new one. Back in the early 2000s, I was working for a local council in New Zealand. If you're not aware, New Zealand has a central government and a series of local areas around cities and rural boundaries, each run by an elected mayor and council. The day-to-day business is, of course, done by employees in a typical business structure. One of the things about this is that all computer systems are regarded as being owned by the council and kind of sort of by the populace. If a member of the public wants to see what's on the computers, they can make a request under the Official Information Act and see pretty much anything except private data. Private data being defined by the Privacy Act as basically names, addresses, birth dates, phone numbers, etc. Also working in the council offices was a small business that had an exclusive contract with the council. This group handled the more physical aspects of the council systems, maintenance of roads, sewer and water systems, etc. If the council said, we need a new pipe there, this small business made it happen. Thing is, the small business leased, and this is important, their computers from the council. The small IT team, three people including me, built and supplied those machines. We owned the software that was on them, and they were connected to the internal council network. This meant they were subject to the same local government and council policies as the rest of us. Periodically, we and IT would clean out large files, early 2000s when storage was expensive, and we were limited due to budget. Now, the staff were fully aware of this and knew to keep personal files to a minimum. If we, during a purge, found large personal files, we could delete them at our discretion. During this time, we found some... videos on an SB employee's machine. It was of a graphic nature, and not the nice kind either. The words fecal and mouth apply. Ugh. Because this violated council policy in oh so many ways, we deleted it quietly. The employee in question complained, claiming we had removed personal files. I never saw the videos, happily, but my understanding is that he wasn't in them. They were stuff he had downloaded. We pointed at the policy. He went to the CEO and complained. Jeez. The CEO came to us. My boss had figured this might happen. The employee question was an interesting guy and showed the CEO one of the videos, which was on the backups, just in case we deleted something we shouldn't and had to restore it. We were good enough at our jobs that we never had to do that, but better safe than sorry. I wasn't there when it happened, but by all accounts, the CEO hauled the employee and the employee's boss, boss of the SB, to an out-of-hearing location and ripped them a new one. The only reason the employee wasn't fired was because he technically worked for the SB and not the council. FYI, we would regularly block this type of site, but being in the early 2000s, new ones popped up all the time. Unless an employee tried to access them, we probably didn't know they existed. It's not that we were prudes, it's just that most staff weren't stupid enough to browse that stuff at work. Oh my god. I know everybody's got their thing, man, but first of all, those things don't really go together. I'm sorry. Second of all, why would you try to do that at work? I'm quite sure there was a policy in place way before you got there. I'm sure it was in writing of some sort, even in the early 2000s, you know, stay away from this, do that. And then to get upset and go tattling because somebody got rid of your filthy sites or movies or whatever. Ugh. Bad choice, Karen. To be clear, I'm the father of Phoenix Risen. That's the OP, so I guess OP's father's typing this. I consider myself to be courteous to everyone. I hold the door open for anyone that's behind me. One day I was going into a store and saw that there was a lady following right behind me. So I opened the door and stood aside to allow her to pass. She looked at me as if I was insulting her and said, I can get my own door. So I went through ahead of her and said, okay, F you then, as I pulled the door closed behind me. And then from a comment down below this story, it's the old joke, isn't it? You don't have to hold the door for me because I'm a lady. I don't. I do it because I'm a gentleman. Exactly. So... 
listen, there's feminism and then there's feminism. Most people, women included, would be more than happy for you to hold the door for them. Although more than half of them have proven that they won't hold a door for you. Uh, but whatever. I was always taught, oh look, Dime. What are you doing, Dimey? You come to visit? You guys got your cat fix. Look at that. At least part of it. At least he walked by, right? Anyway, I was always taught growing up that, you know, if there's somebody behind you or somebody coming out the door in front of you or coming in while you're going out, whatever, that you hold the door for them, especially if they got their arms full. You know, it's just a nice thing to do. And if I'm going out and somebody's behind me coming along with me, I'll, I'll make sure to slow down and catch the door for them because I just I think it's the nice thing to do. I don't care if you're man, woman, whatever. But I also have seen people, mostly women, who will get all ignorant and say, mm, you know, I can get my own door. What do you think? I'm weak. Well, no, I, I know. I'm pretty sure you can open a door. It looks like you drove here so, and you managed to handle your car door okay, but whatever. Just whatever. I don't understand why people have to turn everything into a fight and a cause. It's just, it's just infuriating. Okay, fine. I'll step back and you can hold the door for me. Jeez. My work decided my sweater wasn't sweatery enough, so here comes my new wardrobe. I work at a huge warehouse store that you all shop at. I'm a cashier. I ring you up for basic things. Our managers are switching positions constantly, so they change the wardrobe rules on the fly. The other day I went to work and was basically sent home because I wasn't going to buy a new shirt. And I had worn this shirt a hundred times before over the past six years there. I even bought it there. So, the rules say that for females it has to be a blouse, what the actual F is even that anyway, a sweater or a collared shirt. These are the only rules. So I've been working on my new, entirely dress code compliant tie-dyed wardrobe. I've got at least a dozen blouses, polos, sweaters, etc. now. I've done a few pieces for coworkers too. Isn't a blouse just a nice button-down shirt for women that's a little more flowy than, you know, the tailored look? Am I wrong in that? I'm guessing, so you guys will let me know, I'm sure. And I love it when companies want to make a dress code rule and then let their lower-level managers or supervisors change things on the fly. That never works. So, you know, some people get a little bit of power and they think that, you know, they can just rule the world. Uh, no, basically what you do is you create a mutiny and end up with understaffed registers and, you know, stalkers and things like that. Keep pushing people. We'll, we'll follow your rules. Just don't be ridiculous about them. Make them actually followable. Is that a word? I don't know. Anyway, till the next one, we'll see you.